Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry. This week, we both have a review of Ghostbusters Afterlife. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun. There's a terrific new documentary series out on Disney Plus this weekend about The Beatles. I'll review Get Back. Plus... Busy week of the movies. We'll tell you about the three new offerings on the big screen. But we're going to start with something that debuted on Wednesday on Disney Plus... Hawkeye. It's going to be the best Christmas ever. So I took the kids to New York to see a show. Sounds pretty cool to me. And then people start trying to kill us. Actually, it's pretty bad when you think about it. It's the most wonderful time. Let me guess, you're going to need another day. Or two. Things have gotten complicated. Probably should have bought more guys. Oh, good. You did. It's the most wonderful time. It's the most wonderful time. We're out of regular arrows. Oh my god, trick arrows? Your arrows more dangerous than that one? Marvel's Hawkeye. <sighs> Just some Christmas. First two episodes streaming November 24th. Only on Disney+. Plus. The latest TV effort from the Marvel Cinematic Universe launched with two episodes on Wednesday. And wow, it is fun. At least I think so. We'll get Jeff's thoughts in a moment. Hawkeye, for those who don't know, is one of the Avengers. He does not have superpowers, but he's super awesome with a bow and arrow. And he is just one tough SOB. He is played by Jeremy Renner. And is uh, he's also the only original Avenger to not have his own movie. But he does get a six-part TV series. So he's in New York with his kids in Manhattan. And things go a little wonky for him. Meet Kate Bishop. In the comics, she started as a young Avenger and eventually adopts the moniker Hawkeye for herself. In the show, she's played by Haley Steinfeld. Her mom, by the way, is played by Vera Farmiga, and her mom's boyfriend is played by Tony Dalton, who plays the menacing Lalo Salamanca in Better Call Saul. Kate, also super awesome with a bow and arrow, and through an interesting series of events, she lands on Hawkeye's radar, just as some bad people are trying to kill her, which means they're now trying to kill him too. And that's pretty much all you really need to know about the plot. I loved it. Jeff, what'd you think? Yeah, I loved it too. I'm pretty sure that Lalo is going to be a bad guy of some sort because when that guy comes on screen, that's the first thing you think is like, oh, he must be the bad guy because he looks like one <laughs> yeah. and he acts suspicious. I, I don't trust that Vera Farmiga very much either. I wouldn't be surprised if she's in on it, but uh, time will tell. No, it's a lot of fun. I like that his Ronin thing from Endgame is part of this in a way because honestly, every time I watch Avengers Endgame, I fast forward through the part at the beginning with Hawkeye uh, when he's out to killing all those people because it just doesn't really have anything to do with the rest of that movie. So to see it, you know, sort of incorporated here helps contextualize it a bit more. And maybe I won't pass forward for, through it from now on. I like all the family man stuff. I sort of, you know, wish that there was more with the family in New York City. Um, but the stuff they showed was pretty good. And the bit at the beginning where they go see this Captain America musical, I thought that was really funny. I love Haley Steinfeld in this. She's just terrific, and I root for her every time I see her. She first made a splash in the Coen Brothers movie True, uh, True Grit 10 years ago. She is great in that. And at the time, I thought, well, I hope she can keep it going career-wise because she is doing some quality work. And, you know, so often, especially with young actors, we see them be great 
in a thing and then we just never see them again or they get stuck making garbage for the rest of their lives. So glad to see Haley Steinfeld's career on track. She really does deserve it. And yeah, her and uh, Renner have this fun dynamic like in the Bugs Bunny cartoons where the little eager bulldog is running around the big <laughs> old bulldog being overexcited and annoying him. It's the same thing here. And it's a good move for the Hawkeye character, you know, playing the put-upon mentor who just wants this all to be over so he can, you know, go back and enjoy Christmas with his family. It's got, like, kind of a diehard vibe like that. You know, he just wants to enjoy his holiday. He doesn't want to have to save the world, too, but he will because he's there, and it's happening all around him, so sure, he'll do it. Um, There's the tracksuit mafia, which is hilarious. They're these dumb Eastern European gangsters, but they all wear matching tracksuits, which I found that incredibly funny for some reason. I don't know why. And uh, it was good to see uh, Simon Callow. Uh, he plays Gareth in the movie Four Weddings and a Funeral from the 90s. Every time that guy pops up, I get excited too. So he was in the first episode. I love seeing that guy. So it's just been a treat after treat as this first two episodes rolled along. I've really enjoyed it. It's uh, it's they've really cracked the code, I think, for the MCU shows now that because this one and the last one, Loki, have been just so much fun. And I, th- I think, you know, f- fun is what we're looking for. That's where it's at. So if they keep that up, I I, I hope that, the you know, we get a lot more good quality shows like this out of this. So, yeah, Hawkeye's been a blast. I'm excited to watch the rest of it. Yeah, great pacing in this so far, the first two episodes. I thought it had witty dialogue, uh, really nice New York scenery, both the interiors, for example, because like her her family, Kate Bishop's family is rich, so they live in these swanky places. But her apartment, like she... Uh, She's twenty. She's an adult now. They show her her home when she's a child, and then where her mom now lives as an, as she's an adult. But she's got her own little apartment, which is kind of this weird sort of industrial minimalist apartment um, that probably really only exists in TV shows and movies. The Christmas setting is fun. The fact that it's set in Manhattan while snow is falling is fun because it looks gorgeous. The Christmas music yep. throughout is fun. I gotta admit, I was not excited about this show all that much going into it because it just, it looked kind of, um, I don't know if average is the word or mediocre or maybe I've just gotten so used to the bombast of the Marvel cinematic universe. And I think it was, that's actually what I really enjoyed about this, that it it's down at that. It's that street level kind of, uh, down to earth stuff. There's no superheroes at play. No, like in Loki and uh, WandaVision, you know, there's all sorts of crazy magic and stuff going on, but this is, uh, from that other school of the MCU where it's just like real people on the streets with, and you know, real consequences, stuff gets lost and broken and it has to be dealt with. Yeah. So Hawkeye, hopefully they can keep this up. It's only six episodes uh, so far. So good. And even, even if it turns out to be not that great with Jeremy Renner and Haley Steinfeld leading the way, uh, I'll watch that. Cause I'm with you. Haley Steinfeld is, is tremendous in anything she touches. She was great. Uh, did you ever see Bumblebee, the Transformers movie? No, I didn't. I never got around to it, but I heard that like that's the good Transformers movie. It is, and part of the reason it's the good Transformers movie is because she's in it. So I highly recommend that as well. I think it was on Netflix, but I can't quite remember. You know what? I'll I'll check that out in a moment. Um, but yeah, Hawkeye is cool, and in a moment we're going to tell you whether or not we thought Ghostbusters was cool. You're listening to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Just want to quickly mention Bumblebee. Mentioned that it was on Netflix once upon a time, uh, quite recently, in fact. I think just in recent months. But now it looks like if you want to watch that at home, not available on any streamers, you'll have to rent it. 
for like five bucks. So highly worth it. If you've never seen Bumblebee and you like the Transformers, it is easily the best Bumblebee. Uh, it is the best Transformers film in that whole series. So there you go. And it will uh, be available to stream sooner or later, I imagine, somewhere else. Sometimes yeah. they tend to flip around, so who knows. Okay, now we both went to the movies this week to see the new Ghostbusters movie. New York in the 80s, it's like The Walking Dead. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. My grandfather died. He left us nothing. I wouldn't say that. We gotta see the gold mine of junk not back. Our grandfather was the Ghostbuster. Yes! What the hell is going on? It's the apocalypse. That's not good. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. We're closed. Ghostbusters Afterlife. Exclusively in movie theaters. And Ghostbusters Afterlife hails from director Jason Reitman, son of Ivan Reitman, who directed the first two Ghostbusters. And that's fitting, as this story, like we heard there, is about the descendants of one of the original Ghostbusters. Carrie Coon plays Egon Spangler's estranged daughter, and she has two kids, a teenage boy Trevor, played by Stranger Things' Finn Wolfhard, and a 12-year-old girl, Phoebe, played by McKenna Grace. They are a poor family living in New York City and receive news of Egon's death at his home in rural Oklahoma. So they inherit the farmyard and move to the the countryside and spooky things start happening there's a mystery to be solved and young phoebe is on the case along with her new friend a nerdy kid who calls himself podcast i found him mildly irritating at first but by the end he had grown on me and he does get a few legitimate laughs to a good actor that kid mckenna grace also a good kid actor which is a good thing because she gets the most screen time and make no mistake as much as uh, people called the 2016 ghostbusters movie you know lady ghostbusters you could call this movie kid ghostbusters because at the farm trevor finds the ecto-1 in a barn and gets her running and phoebe stumbles onto egon's lab and finds the other equipment and fixes it all up and now they just need some ghosts to bust and they find them and they unpeel this mystery of what Egon had been working on before he died. Adding into the mix a couple of grown-ups, the aforementioned Carrie Coon, who plays the mom and immediately hooks up with a middle school science teacher played by Paul Rudd. There's also a town police chief played by Bokeem Woodmine and a hardware store owner played by Coon's real-life husband, Tracy Letts. He's one of my favorite character actors. I guess he was just there on location with her anyways. They shot this in Alberta, so they gave him five lines. Uh, the main takeaway about Ghostbusters Afterlife is that it is a sequel to Ghostbusters. Usually a movie like this would pepper a handful of references to the original movie throughout it but this movie just absolutely bludgeons you with them characters are constantly repeating lines from the first movie there are a lot of similar moments from the first one a lot of props a lot of situations everything is i thought it was way too much and i did chuckle the first few times but after a while i actually started to find it annoying the story i also found very predictable at least in the middle section i really like the initial setup and then sort of the mystery that the movie posits but then you quickly see where it's going to go and then it just goes there and most of the interesting stuff i thought happened at or near the end i won't get into that because uh, it'll sound it'll be too spoilery. So it sounds like I'm ragging on the movie a little bit more than I really thought because uh, the good stuff was at the end and we can't talk about it. The stuff that makes the movie different from the first movie was tended to be the stuff I liked the most, especially this vastly different setting. You don't see a lot of rural set blockbuster movies, and I'm always sucker for a, a small town stuff and farmyard stuff. So I thought that was an interesting move to take it out of New York City. I do think I, in the end I liked the, the 2016 movie better, the one with Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig. I thought that was a lot funnier. This one you know, has a better direct connection to the original, so I feels more connected story-wise. Uh, in the end, I didn't think it was a great movie. I did think it was pretty entertaining, and for all the things that bugged me a lot through the middle of the movie, the ending more than made up for it. 
I would say the Ghostbusters franchise is similar to the Jurassic Park franchise in that each have a first ballot Hall of Fame original movie and then a series of very watchable but nowhere near as good sequels. Some magic, you know, simply cannot be recreated no matter how many marshmallows you throw at the wall. Three couch cushions out of five for Ghostbusters Afterlife for me. And P.S., I will say, sit through the credits. There are two terrific scenes. There's a midway scene through the credits and then another one right at the end. Brett, what'd you think? I loved it. I um, I thought it was great. And like I get, maybe I should say I liked it a lot. I, I loved it maybe as a bit generous, but uh, I wasn't sure what to expect because the reviews, not terrible. I think it's around 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, but uh, I was kind of thinking, is this going to be too rehashy for me? And it certainly is. It's very much like Star Wars The Force Awakens, which was essentially a repackaging of A New Hope, just told in a new way, in a bigger way, you know, better visual effects, new characters. That's exactly what they've done here. They're just telling the same story pretty much from the first movie. Um, but so what? I, I don't know. I just I had a lot of fun. I think the acting from the kids, from um, young McKenna Grace in particular, as the daughter, she was outstanding, I thought. Finn Wolfhard, I mean, he's he's all right, but he, he doesn't have nearly as big of a role as uh, she does in this. And I thought Paul Rudd was fantastic in this and i i bought him as a as a science teacher and i really enjoyed uh, just the story and i thought how do they go back to this well in a way that makes it relevant in a way that makes sense and i was really satisfied and and i the ending was way more emotional than i anticipated i was it was genuinely touching uh, to me that how they wrapped it up and there are some nice surprises as well I'm not going to mention who but there are a couple of casting shall we say Easter eggs in there when you like uh, when the main bad person comes out I thought that kind of looks like so and so but I'm not sure and then I looked it up yep it's that person so that was cool uh, so I, I I dug it I don't know I, th- I thought it was def- I liked it way better than as you put it, Lady Ghostbusters. I I didn't dislike that movie because you know because the cast was all female. I hated hated that that was even a thing that people were complaining about that movie just because the cast was female. They're all fantastic actors in that film, so I got no problem with the cast. I just didn't care for that movie all that much. Whereas I enjoyed this one more, and uh, I I just hope they don't turn this into like a trilogy. I don't need more Ghostbusters. So there. Yeah, they're, they're sort of uh, a bit of an allusion to a sequel at the in that post-credits yeah. scene at the very, very end. So who knows? That could go either way, though. Four couch cushions out of five for me for Ghostbusters Afterlife. So that's cool. And I'm glad that this might be the first time since the pandemic started where the two of us actually went <laughs> and saw the to same movie. Uh, in, at the same, we didn't go together. We don't like each other that much, but uh, we saw we went and saw the same movie in the same week. Yeah, that was that was bizarre. I was fully expecting that that you weren't going to have seen Ghostbusters because I had seen Ghostbusters. But there we go. Yeah. So what about what else? You get? Have you plans to go see any other movies yet? I do you need really to see should. Eternals. Yep, I got to see and Eternals. I think, I think you'd like Dune, and I think you'd 
really prefer to see that on a big screen too. You're probably right. I'm just looking down the road. We've got Spider-Man. We've got uh, The Matrix Resurrections coming out in December. And I only have, like, we used to go see movies. You still have the the the, uh, the stamina, I think, to do it, or the uh, the the dedication to do it. Shall we say the desire? Like, I think there was one year where I saw 56 movies in theater. I just don't have the uh, the the dedication to do that anymore. <laughs> I'll go see one a movie every couple of weeks, three weeks, once a month, whatever. Uh, that's I'm also still working at home, and so I, I like to get out of the house when I can. <laughs> why, why sit on my couch eight hours a day when I can go sit on a you know a big comfy recliner at the movie theater for three of those hours? <laughs> well, you know what? Coming up next, we're going to tell you which movies are out this week so you can get off your couch and go sit on a comfy recliner while you eat some popcorn. And if you eat it like I do, then maybe give yourself a really sore stomach. But it's just so tasty. On the way down, you're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett, he's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. Three new movies in theaters this week. They all opened Wednesday, ahead of American Thanksgiving, starting with the latest from Walt Disney Animation, Encanto. A lot of people want to know about my family. We have a magical house. Casita, help me out. Drawer. Floors. And magical gifts. I understand you, but what's your gift? Mirabel didn't get one. The fate of the family is going to come down to you. Let me help you. The rats told me everything. Don't eat those. Disney's Encanto. Rated PG only in theaters Thanksgiving. So Encanto is about the Madrigals, a family who live in a magic house called Encanto. And each child in the family has a magical gift, except Mirabelle. But when the family home is threatened... As you heard in the clip, Mirabelle may be their only hope. The animation looks wonderful. The songs in the movie are courtesy of Lin-Manuel Miranda because, of course they are. He, <laughs> he, I don't know, how, how can one person pump out that many songs? I, uh, he's oh, supernatural. He's also got a, he's got a new live-action musical a couple of weeks ago out on Netflix, too, with Andrew Garfield. So the guy's just what walking down the street writing songs as he goes, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it's all... It's insane. I didn't know that that was that Andrew Garfield movie was a musical. Yeah. Oh, okay. Tick, 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 boom. Or whatever. Oh, yeah. Tick, tick, boom. There it is. Okay. Yeah, I heard that's really good. Um, but this is getting tremendous reviews, 92% at uh, Rotten Tomatoes. So I would like to see that one one day. Up next, House of Gucci. Gucci? This is legacy. I don't consider myself to be a particularly ethical person, but I am fair. This is not a woman's game. It's time to take out the trash. You're my family. So am I. What game are you playing? You picked the real firecracker. Bravo. House of Gucci. Rated R. A new movie theater's Thanksgiving. Directed by Ridley Scott, House of Gucci has a superb cast led by Lady Gaga, Adam Driver, Jared Leto. I get this wrong all the time. Is it Jared Leto or Jared Leto? I always say Leto. But, okay. Uh, well, let's go with I don't that. I think he cares. Jeremy, well, still, I just, there are a couple, there, it's one of those names I can never remember. Is it Lito or Leto? Jeremy Irons, Sama Hayek, and Al Pacino. And here's the official description for this one. House of Gucci is inspired by the shocking true story 
of the family behind the Italian fashion empire. When Patrizia Reggiani, played by Lady Gaga, who is an outsider from humble beginnings, marries into the Gucci family, her unbridled ambition begins to unravel the family legacy and triggers a reckless spiral of betrayal, decadence, revenge, and ultimately murder. So it's at 61% on Rotten Tomatoes. I've read some reviews that said that the movie can't quite decide what tone it wants, whether it wants to be like campy and kind of fun or deadly serious. But uh, Lady Gaga's performance is said to be excellent, so I wouldn't be surprised if you see her in the mix come Oscar season. So there's that. And then we have Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City. Several years ago in Raccoon City, I found out the truth about the Umbrella Corporation. What is this place? This is where they were experimenting on him. What the... We have to stop Umbrella. This is just the beginning. Resident Evil, welcome to Raccoon City. Rated R. Exclusively in movie theaters, November 24th. So this movie is based on the incredibly popular survival horror video games, which debuted on the PlayStation in 1996. Resident Evil is essentially credited with bringing zombies back into popular culture. This movie is a reboot of the live-action film franchise. Mila Jovovich starred in six of them between 2002 and 2016. This one is described as follows. Welcome to Raccoon City. Once the booming home of pharmaceutical giant Umbrella Corp, the company's exodus left the city a wasteland, a dying town with great evil brewing below the surface. When that evil is unleashed, a group of survivors must work together to uncover the truth behind Umbrella and make it through the night. Movie's not getting great reviews, 28% on Rotten Tomatoes, but honestly, who cares? Like, if you enjoy watching zombies and monsters doing violent things and having violent things done to them, then you'll like this movie. So... I would give it uh, four couch cushions out of five just for that title. That's the best title I've ever heard. Raccoon City. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, I guess you, well, you probably have never seen any of these movies, right? No. Yeah. I have no idea. No. Yeah. Raccoon City. That's, uh, no, that's, that's, awesome. that's from right from the video game. So, uh, <laughs> some of those, re- those Resident Evil movies are, are fun. I think I saw the fourth one in theater it was afterlife and it was resident evil it was 3d it was a big day they made a big deal out of it because they used james cameron's avatar 3d technology and it i seem to remember it being pretty cool in 3d but i hadn't seen any of the other movies yet so i was missing context and it was just bad it was bad and i think extinction was bad and i i think the final chapter one wasn't too bad, but I don't know. But uh, Jovovich is awesome as an action star, so that alone makes those movies kind of worth checking out. But she's not in the new one, um, so I don't know. I think I might pass on that one. A couple of things out on Netflix this weekend that are worth pointing out. Uh, there's a, uh, something called A Boy Called Christmas. This is a film, and uh, it stars Henry Lawful. He plays Nicholas, a boy who sets out on a journey to find his mysterious father, and discovers that one or both of them might be the legendary Father Christmas. So that's not to be confused with the Claus family, about a boy whose father may be Santa Claus, or Father Christmas, which is about a father whose last name is actually 
Christmas. So there's that. And then uh, there's Halle Berry stars in a movie called Bruised. And she actually, she made her directorial debut with this movie. It screened at the Toronto International Film Festival in uh, September, last September, where she plays a retired mixed martial arts fighter who accepts a challenge to fight the reigning MMA champion. So I'm actually excited for this. It debuted in theaters last week on a limited basis, and now it's available on Netflix. And then there's True Story. This is a series. Um, Kevin Hart, this is the one where he, he takes on a dramatic role. He plays a comedian whose life takes an unfunny turn when he makes an unfortunate visit to his older brother, who's played by Wesley Snipes. So that looks pretty cool. Is, is that that seems like something that might be on your radar? What uh, what say you on that? Yeah, I think I've heard good things about it. I don't. I, I'm blanking a little bit. I, I might check it out if uh, we need something to talk about next week. <laughs> <laughs> there's also on Saturday on Netflix, there's a show called Super Crooks. It's an anim- anime series based on the 2012 comic book by Mark Miller and Lainel Francis Yu. It's about a supervillain who puts together a team of super-powered crooks for a big heist that cannot possibly fail. And I also wanted to mention on Crave, there's a new HBO Max movie uh, that's starring Neil Patrick Harris called 8-Bit Christmas. And it's a humorous and heartfelt look back at the adventures of childhood set in suburban Chicago in the late 1980s. The story centers on 10-year-old Jake's Herculean quest to get the latest and greatest video game system for Christmas. So that actually sounds like it could be a lot of fun as well. Uh, So again, that is on Crave. And speaking of Crave, that is the home of Dexter, the new blood. What do you think of Dexter so far? I've been enjoying it. I think I like it more than I liked original Dexter. Uh, and I think most of it has to do with this setting, that it's out. Uh, it's a small town and and the woods surrounding the small town in the winter. You're talking about how gorgeous the winter looked in New York City at Hawkeye. And uh, I was talking about how I like rural stuff in the Ghostbusters review. And this is the best of both worlds, and I've been really enjoying it. I, I hope they get more interactions with all the small town folk. I've really been enjoying that. And it's it's been fun, and it's a pretty good little story that they're laying out there where you know he's killed a guy and but he's been sloppy about it and now he's trying to cover his tracks and that sort of thing so uh i've been all in on dexter there's a lot of good stuff on every sunday but i've been looking forward each week to dexter the most oh and i should uh, you mentioned the the setting in ghostbusters afterlife i think i meant to mention to second that notion uh, that motion because I, I thought it was beautiful i had no idea it was shot in alberta until after the fact i've never been through that part of alberta the hoodoos just stunning stunning scenery in afterlife so that's pretty cool in a moment jeff's going to tell you about the latest disney plus documentary this one's about the beatles you're listening to the couch potatoes Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. And a mammoth documentary series on The Beatles is being released this weekend on Disney+. Plus. It's called Get Back. Now we're going to take The Beatles and I'll be quiet. Oh, you recording our conversation? Looking for a what? What is it? Looking for a home to last. Looking for a blast from the past. We're talking about 14 songs we hope to get. I've got a feeling. How many have we already recorded good enough? No. The documentary's just grinding to a halt. Grinding to a halt? I think it's taking off. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) The best bit of us, always has been and always will be, is when we're backs against the wall. 
All we've got is us. What do you think? The three-part eight-hour series is made up of footage of the Fab Four in 1969, and it covers a less-than-three-week period where they wrote and recorded their final album, Let It Be, and gave their iconic rooftop performance, which was their first concert in three years. The documentary series comes to us from Peter Jackson of Lord of the Rings fame, and as we know from that, his Hobbit movies and his King Kong movie, he likes the long running times. This project was at one point going to be a movie, but somewhere along the line, he decided to make it much, much longer. I've seen part one of the three parts, and the first part is two and a half hours long, and it is not the longest part. With most other bands, you would consider this to be overkill, but it's the Beatles, so why not just make it as long as you want, right? And that's what's so cool about this documentary. We see them as they are, candidly, and they're just regular people in many ways. So this documentary sort of both strips them of their iconic status, but also, you know, helps build it up because this is an epic documentary series. And it's only comprised of the footage from the time. There are no current talking head interviews with Paul and Ringo or rock historians or anything like that. It opens with this 10-minute narrated montage showing how they formed as a group and follows their career up until 1969, zipping through their history until we arrive at the point that this story takes place, which begins January 2nd, 1969. They decided to make a documentary of them writing and recording a new album, and they intend to put on a couple of shows when they're finished, and it's all supposed to happen in less than three weeks. That's the time they've allotted for it. They, you know, they have to book people and places and things like that which is just insane like a week into it they still haven't decided what kind of a show they'll do or where they'll do it it's just crazy how you know seat of the pants it all is uh, not to mention you know they have to come up with all the songs songs like get back and let it be and the long and winding road they've taken over a film studio and at the beginning there's just this plain colored backdrop with their equipment in front and they sit in a circle with their instruments and start going through their new material some of it they've written at home some they sort of work out through jams and noodling some they argue and fight about and for Beatles fans it's a pretty amazing document of that time I'm not a huge Beatles fan but I do you know I have a greatest hits album somewhere and generally I like their music and some songs like Hey Jude or in this case Let It Be I really like but you know I, I just love watching bands write and record their albums there's a terrific new Tom Petty documentary uh, for free on YouTube right now that's mostly newly found footage from the mid-90s when he was recording his Wildflowers album with Rick Rubin. I highly recommend that as well. With this Beatles documentary, the mood in the band kind of hangs over everything. And that's, you know, the interesting uh, schadenfreude of this all. You know they're a fracture group. You know they're about to say goodbye forever, but they're trying to keep it together. And mostly it's Paul taking charge, Paul McCartney, of course, uh, which he resents. He wishes, you know, the rest of them would show some more enthusiasm and the rest of the band wishes he was less bossy, especially George Harrison. You can see him staring daggers at McCartney several times in this, and he storms off uh, saying he quits the band at one point. History has put a lot of the blame on the breakup of the group on uh, John Lennon's wife, Yoko Ono, of course. And, you know, she's very present in this, but she doesn't seem to be bothering anyone. You know, the footage is a lot of them, like I said, sitting in the circle with their instruments working out the songs. And she's just sitting there with them. It's the four lads and Yoko. She doesn't really say anything. She's certainly, you know, certainly not about their music as they work on it. So I don't think she's a distraction at all. But it's tense at times. And with the, you know, hindsight of history, it's sometimes hard to tell if some of the tension is just the run-of-the-mill tension that would come naturally with bands working on their music or if it's worse than that and really truly indicative of the impending breakup so all that is 
just fascinating. But, you know, for me, it's not as fascinating as watching these guys create their music. There's one amazing scene, for example. It's first thing in the morning. The others are all there. They're waiting for John Lennon to arrive. He's a little bit late. And Paul's just noodling around and singing nothing in particular. And then it starts turning into the song Get Back. And this is all out of thin air. George and Ringo are just sitting there. Ringo has admitted when he walked in that he was a little hungover. So he's kind of just staring blankly into space. And George, you know, lets out a yawn like a hippo while McCartney just almost accidentally creates their next big single. That in itself is kind of amazing. But then after a bit, George and Ringo sort of snap to attention, get on their instruments and join in with Paul. And while they're all playing, John walks into the room finally, sees what's going on, quietly just takes off his coat, sits down and picks up his guitar and then joins in. And that's how Get Back began. So uh, this footage has been locked away for 50 years. Again, they intended to put out a documentary at the time, but I guess since they broke up later that year, the film was called off and the reels were just kind of put in storage. So good for Peter Jackson for getting it all out and putting this all together. Frankly, it's probably, it's an important piece of rock and roll history. I can't wait to see the rest. I just need to, you know, carve out another five hours or so this weekend. They're releasing a one episode per day, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Again, it's all on Disney Plus. It's called The Beatles Get Back, and I'm giving it four couch cushions out of five, Brett. Four couch cushions out of five. All right, I, sh I should check that out. I don't know nearly it's as so much long. as I should. It's <laughs> it's just <laughs> it's so long. Yeah, too much. Oh, it's well, like the first part was t over two and a half hours. It took me forever to get through it the other day, and it's uh, and it is mostly them sitting around working on these songs. So it's a uh, if you got to take breaks. I guess that's why they're doing it in three parts. I sort of feel like it should have been like an eight part series, like of one hour each. Uh, a week apart, and then I, I prefer to watch it like that, because then it doesn't feel so overwhelming. That's all the time we've got. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. Don't bother.